MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, May 21st, 2020. Today, the Supreme Court grants a stay pending appeal in the Mueller grand jury materials case. Flynn's lawyers file a writ of mandamus to remove Judge Sullivan from their case. Trump threatens to withhold federal funding for Michigan and Nevada because they're voting by mail. Interviews with real-life lawyer Andrew Torres and former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti. Novel coronavirus updates and, of course, good news and quarantine confessions. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. It is a beautiful Wednesday uh, here in San Diego. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you want to, first of all, we've got a lot of things going on. Friday is going to be our Q&A quarantine happy hour meet and greet situation. So you definitely want to join us for that. If you're a patron, we will send you the link um, in your email on Friday, a few hours before the event. And uh, if you're not a patron, we know that these are tough times and a lot of people can't afford to be patrons right now. Uh, We will send you a public link for the second half of that um, of that meet and greet. It's going to be live. It's fun. We do it. This is going to be our ninth one, I think. That's pretty amazing. And uh, you guys are just incredible. We have such a good time. I look forward to this every week. So that's going to be fun. Now, we also started an Animal Crossing Discord. No politics allowed on the Discord page for Animal Crossing. Uh, I was able to sell some turnips for over 600 bells yesterday. Thank you very much. Uh, And uh, we're just really enjoying that. It's a really great sort of self-care, keep your mind off things, meditative, fun game that we play. So check that out if you want. And that is for patrons, but we're, we're opening it up to the public because of COVID right now. We know a lot of people can't, can't pledge us, but we do appreciate you just listening and being part of this community. It's, I, this community is 100% what keeps me going uh, through all this. So thank you very much for that. With that, we have a jam-packed show today. As you heard me mention up front, we have an interview with Renata Mariotti. We have an interview with real-life lawyer Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast. And so we want to definitely get to the news uh, with Jordan. Uh, so let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Hello and welcome to Jordan's Corn Beans. Uh, Today I've got a few coronavirus headlines that I am going to just get right to. Because why not? No small talk in here. Uh, First headline I've got is a bit of a downer headline. Brazil had surpassed their own record with 20,000 new coronavirus cases in a 24-hour period. Um, That beats their high that they got on Tuesday and the other health ministry announced the numbers. They reported 19,951 new cases just in the last 24 hours, and that brings their total to 291,579 confirmed cases. Um, Their deaths caused by COVID-19 also increased by 888, and that brings their country's total to 18,859. Also in COVID-19 news, the Director General of the World Health Organization said today, Wednesday, that more cases have been reported to the WHO in the last 24 hours than any time since COVID-19 began. That's 
completely antithetical to what so many people on the internet are saying right now. He said, quote, we still have a long way to go in this pandemic, end quote. Um, he went on to say, in the last 24 hours, there have been 106,000 cases reported to WHO, the most in a single day since the outbreak began. Almost two-thirds of these cases were reported in just four countries. Uh, those countries are the U.S., Russia, Brazil, and India. And I was surprised to see Russia. I hadn't been following their numbers lately. I just remember when this first started, their numbers were super low, and I was really curious about what was causing that. I didn't know. I mean, it's hard to not be fucking cynical when Putin's involved. So I was thinking, are they, like, messing with their own numbers? Or are they just able to do more intense protocols and, and shit to lock people down and stop the spread but uh, unfortunately their numbers are up super high now and I mean it makes sense in all these areas there's major 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 population density in certain spots and so I think that that seems to really be what lends itself to an epicenter and New York was our epicenter they still by far account for the most amount of deaths in our country and and I imagine that's kind of what's going on in each of these countries as well um so yeah that's just a bummer uh also in some reopening news the eu released new guidelines for flying that they plan on recommending to people it says the word recommend specifically so that doesn't sound very authoritative and uh i don't know if that's something you could really count on or or if they use the word recommend loosely to just avoid freaking people out or something i don't know it seems like common sense, though. I mean, their protocols are very common sense. It's mask and hand hygiene. So just washing and sanitizing your hands as much as you can and wearing the mask. And then it didn't say anything specifically about social distancing passengers on the planes itself. At least not what I read, which is shitty because when airplanes started operating again, one of the first things that got called out, called, called, out, called out, I channeled Mandy and then... A demon. I don't know what that was. Did I have an issue talking before? Or is this just happening now? <laughs> I have no clue what's starting this or if it was always here. It's terrifying. Anyways. The airlines got called out for not socially distancing people and there were photos coming out of people just packed in like sardines sold out flights like the middle seats wasn't even empty completely just boom 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 people fucking negative inches away from each other so that's shitty i hope that that's part of the guidelines and recommendations as they call it i personally just know it's like i'm so sick Air airlines I'm not about to go into some hack-ass airplane material right now, but just, but air airplanes are so notorious for just fucking taking all of your money in any way that they can, and the fact that they're not, that all of them, or at least weren't, some of them weren't at a point, um, just based on these pictures, following social distancing protocol and still were jamming people into planes, like, unless those were all essential people that had a time restriction, like, I just don't understand what, which they weren't, obviously. I can't believe, I don't get where they get off even doing that right now it's like so uncomfortable for everyone on the plane mostly like outside of you know what actual biological nonsense 
that is currently given what we know about the virus it's also just like fucked up and rude to put your passengers in that position i wonder if they even gave them notice that that's how it was going to be or if they had any sort of like forgiving return ticket ticket return policy or something if people weren't happy with that anyways i just hope that airlines are super serious about that at least in the the beginning i don't know i also watched a video though was it like an airplane technician and he said that they have this thing in their planes this i think it was from united that filters the air out like every two minutes like every two to three minutes i guess there's like an entirely new batch of air coming in he said like that's like filtered but shit can spread really fast in two minutes i guess and that doesn't probably really matter as long as it's the same circulated air like that for long enough for you to get something then that just sucks and that's just gonna make people feel weird for a while i think but who knows i do not technicize airplanes my next story trump shit hydrochloroquine hey hydrochloroquine shit he's apparently gonna stop taking it in a couple days uh, but it was made clear that that is only because the regimen of the hydrochloroquine is coming to an end not because he was bullied out of taking something that might kill him what nice bullies we are aren't we when people are making fun of me for taking cyanide it's so mean <laughs> that's basically what his sentiments are right now I can only imagine. I haven't really seen him bitching publicly yet. Uh, but he also did some fucked up stuff on Wednesday today. He's starting to threaten states that are talking about doing across-the-board mail-in ballots. Um, just, like, being really strong on voting rights and having the belief that mail-in voting is the way to, to address that issue in November in a way that is safe and doable. Uh, but Trump said that he's going to hold up funding federal funding to Michigan and Nevada in response to their plans to increase voting by mail, which is really scary and some hugely authoritarian shit uh, if he actually goes through with it successfully. I just hope this is just a stupid thing that he said and it's not going to go anywhere and if he ever actually tries. I don't put him past trying it, but if he does try, I would just be hopeful about that not being allowed and some shit stepping in. When I say some shit, I mean some SC95 dash point dot whatever protocol stuff that's already written, hopefully, that he just hasn't read. Because God knows he never consults words that someone smarter has written before he says his own. But it's scary. His tweet that he put out said, this was done illegally. He's talking about uh, Michigan. And without authorization by a rogue secretary of state, I will ask to hold up funding to Michigan if they want to go down this voter fraud path. Because if you haven't heard yet, Trump loves pairing voter fraud with mail-in ballots, saying it's so easy to cheat if you do mail-in ballots. And he knows he's the king of cheat. He's cheat king. Hi, I'm Cheat King, and I'll fuck your life up. That, that would be that'd be his commercial. I write commercials, folks, for hire. Uh, hit me up. They're they're great. Okay, that's all I got today for corn beans. I hope everybody is doing okay and having a good middle of their week. I'm sending y'all love, 
And patrons, I look forward to seeing you on Friday or Saturday this weekend. I don't know if we've decided the day yet for our happy hour. Y'all should become a patron for sure if you're not one because we all hang out together via Skype and it's very fun. Um, and then also, I Disagree, my side podcast has a new episode that dropped today on Wednesday and it drops early for patrons on Tuesday if you're interested in getting in on it this week. Uh, my co-host Steve and I, we talk about social media and the pros and cons, basically, among other things. Uh, but we get into some nice discussion topics about the role that plays in society today. So check it out if you'd like to, or just stick with uh, Militia and the Daily Beans. I mean, definitely always stick with Militia and the Daily Beans. But, hey, I'm here as a side piece if you're ever looking for some extra action. All right, that's it. Have a great day, everybody. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, or are you having a really hard time with lockdown? Is, is your anxiety off the charts, maybe because of the news that's going on? Uh, is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's real professional counseling done securely online. And everybody needs a little help from time to time. As you know, I've sought help in, uh, for my PTS, which uh, has been so beneficial, and I highly recommend seeking help when you need it. BetterHelp's services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, which may not be locally available in your area. So this is just a wonderful way to access that. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. And besides, we you know, it's it's just better to stay at home right now. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it free and easy to change your counselor. And also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So, visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today to discuss the Mueller grand jury materials case in the Supreme Court is real-life lawyer and host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew, how are you? I am fantastic, AJ. How are you? Good. I'm good. It's good to talk to you. It's been... Yeah, it's, it's been at least a few days. It, yeah, no, it, it's I was jonesing for a fix, so I'm glad you had me back <laughs> on. All right, so... I'm sitting here smacking my arm. Yeah, give it, give it. Um, <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk to you uh, because today the Supreme Court granted the stay. We know that uh, about, what was it, about a week and a half ago, uh, Chief Justice Roberts granted a short administrative stay while the court weighed whether or not they were going to grant a regular stay in the Mueller grand jury materials case. As we know, back on July 27th of last year, um, we were live in Chicago on stage when this happened. Uh, Jerry Nadler and the House Judiciary Committee filed under Article One powers of impeachment for the Mueller grand jury materials. That's when I considered impeachment to begin, not in September when Nancy announced it. But uh, I should call her. I think that's fair. Yeah. I should call her Madam Speaker, but Nancy. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're friends. <laughs> Uh, so now it's gone through the circuit court. I was just looking at um, Ahmet Mehta's decision as actually it's the one year anniversary of his decision, 
where he decided, like, look, you can't tell me that Congress's only remedy is impeachment and then not allow the Congress to investigate for impeachment. Fuck you. And so his decision in the D.C. Circuit Court, then it went up to the the court, uh, the appellate court, and now it's at SCOTUS. It's yep. it's taken a year, almost, <laughs> um, which is unbelievable for for something working under an, the auspices of impeachment. Uh, but here we are, and so now they've granted the stay, and I and I want everyone to not freak out. Can you tell? Can you tell people why they shouldn't freak out about this? This isn't the court is sold out; it's bought and paid for. We'll know that soon enough, but that's not this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so you you should you should not freak out, uh, but you should swallow hard. Right? <laughs> um, it, essentially, I mean, this is. Remember that the entire game before the Supreme Court right now is shame John Roberts, right? Um, if if the evidence is overwhelming, such as producing the Hofeller tapes at the last minute in the Department of Commerce case, then John Roberts, who is concerned about how you know his grandchildren will read about him presiding over the worst Supreme Court uh, in in our nation's history, that will you know, put on his big boy pants and, and do the right thing. And and Hofeller, just just really quickly, Hofeller was the guy who did the studies and recommended gerrymandering based on race so that white Republicans could win elections. Uh, that was the the hard drive produced after his after his suicide. It was a suicide, right? Um, uh, by his daughter uh, with the file that said how to advantage white Republicans, right? Like, I mean, it, 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 it is literally, I mean, we've talked about, you know, uh, the, the, uh, bag of gold with the dollar sign painted on the outside. I mean, this was as close to like, you know, a giant icon that says I am a criminal as you can get. And that was enough to shame John Roberts. So, um, in, in that light, what this order that was issued today, Wednesday, May 20th, uh, does is uh, it stays the mandate of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit uh, for, I think, 13 days till June 1st of 2020. So it is a it is a half a loaf. Right. What the government wanted was to stay the mandate and then be on the Supreme Court's regular briefing schedule, which, by the way, is now extended out to 150 days, five months because of COVID-19. Right. And that would obviously they would take as much time as possible and run out the clock until after November. And there would be no chance that these materials would ever see the light of day. Um, the Supreme Court said, OK, we're going to stay the effect of the order, which would otherwise disclose those materials to Congress. And and let's be honest here. The second they are disclosed to the House Judiciary Committee, they will be disclosed to us. Right. Because members of the House of Representatives uh, enjoy legislative immunity for the stuff they say on the floor of the House of, of Representatives. Ah, right. The uh, speech and debate clause. Right. Exactly right. Um, yeah, this is how the Pentagon Papers, where Mike Gravel read them into the record uh, in order to, to moot a pending lawsuit back in, you know, the dawn of recorded time. Um, and and there was no doubt that that's what Jerry Nadler would do, right? Like, he would get up and read them, um, you know, I guess remotely at this point. But uh, it would be covered by the Speech and Debate Clause. It would be released. There, really, that but aren't they is not going back in the box. 
aren't they arguing that i mean but you know, aside from not putting being putting the genie back in the bottle and i'm all ha- i'm all for this like i don't want you to think that i don't want him to read that into the record but aren't they arguing that uh hey this is under grand jury secrecy rules we promise we won't you know that that, that we're going to take care of the sanctity of the grand jury like these are the grand jury materials aren't they so <sighs> Like we yes didn't get the no. we didn't get the Jaworski report until two years ago. Right, right. Um, but 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 here's here's how that comes into play, right? So ordinarily, like you you and I are probably the only two people on earth who have read both volumes of the Mueller report cover to cover, plus all the footnotes, right? I've got a lot of listeners who who've done that as well. Well, yeah, we have book club, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and, uh, but but you know you know what I mean. We 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 went through, and the, the Mueller report is not absurdly redacted on face from looking at it, right? It is not, you know, catch twenty two blocking out everything but the salutation, dear Mary, and signing it, Chaplain A. T. Tapman, right? Like it, it's it's about ten percent redacted, um, yeah. and and. Most of those redactions are uh, secrecy of of grand jury materials. Um, That being said, we also know from Barr's misleading letter, like we know that some of those redactions are inappropriate, right? It would be astonishing for Bill Barr to play as fast and loose with the law as he has to date and not have also covered up embarrassing stuff in the Mueller report uh, with with inappropriately redacted materials. So stuff that is protected because it contains grand jury materials is protected under Rule 6E uh, of the uh, Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, right? Um, But that has an exception to it, right, Um, which says that the protection does not extend to material that is disclosed, quote, preliminarily to or in connection with a judicial proceeding. That is Rule 6E, subpart part 3, sub, subpart capital E, sub, sub, subpart Roman numeral, lowercase Roman numeral 1. You and I have talked about this rule um, and and this exemption, and it's 100% in there, and we know that there's precedent for it, and this shouldn't even be a question. I'm actually, frankly, surprised that the Supreme Court is hearing this on the merits. I I, I am surprised, too, and that's why I said, if if you're a listener, you, you should inhale sharply. Um, <laughs> if the Supreme Court grants cert, or more, and, and they might because you have four howler monkeys on the Supreme Court. Yeah, and of course, I do. I do want to clarify that this uh, approval of the stay doesn't mean they're granting cert yet. That they, you know, they could have said, you know, uh, we're not granting the stay and we're not hearing the case. They could have said that, but they didn't, and so now we're here. We are. They could. That's true. They could have said that, uh, but they also could have said, uh, we are granting. Uh, Suspante, right? Like they, they could have, um, you know, taken the case uh, as relief from from the uh, from the initial petition. They didn't do that either. And you know, they fast tracked the response. They said, "All right, and you know, DOJ, you've got uh, twelve days to tell us whether you want us to hear this case or not. Uh, and this day will expire if you don't petition for cert." Uh, by June 1. And I imagine the House will file its opposition, you know, two days later. Yeah, I mean, they and didn't they ask, didn't he give them till June 1st for I mean, it pretty, 
pretty short timeline. Yeah, that is breakneck pace for granting a uh, or for requiring a party to file a cert. Because seriously, like cert petitions are hard. Like you've got to, you know, you've got to put together the uh, all of the required record and attachments and things that go with it, and you've got to, you know, triple cross check your citations. I mean, I filed these things before. Like they're they're yeah, they're, they're a lot of work. And this is the this is the Supreme Court. You can't just you know, yeah, you have a book report due. Can't throw a diorama together you unless know. you're jay seculo in which case i guess you can but. yeah he, he tends to wing it <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason we call him america's dumbest lawyer um <sighs> it it so look uh it as as you've talked about on the show you and i've talked about this before it, it only requires four votes to grant certiorari um so the the hard right partisan contingent of the supreme court very well may grant cert in this case um, that they might not, um, because this is a terrible case to take. And, and look, like if, if somehow, uh, the, the Supreme court rules in favor of the DOJ, um, I, I'm running out of ways to say I'm, I'm surprised because, you know, the past three years have, have dealt an awful lot of unpleasant surprises. Um, but, but look like the, the way in which you get a case, right? Like as, as a lawyer, the argument you want to make to the Supreme Court for why they should take your case on certiorari is that there is a split amongst the circuits uh, or that this and, and or that this represents a novel question of law. Right. And these are, this is neither of those things. Absolutely right. It is it is crystal clear that the judicial proceeding exception applies to impeachment. Right. And and the argument to the contrary, the argument filed by Noel Francisco on behalf of the DOJ is embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Noel, by the way. I remember I remember there being a photo of him and Jeff Sessions uh, out to eat like and, uh, you know, and I think who was somebody else was there. Anyway, they were out eating in D.C. And I'm like, all right, look, Noel Francisco. Sweet, sweet. He's he's hanging. He's hanging with the. Oh, it was Rod Rosenstein. Remember when we thought he was a good guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and, I, you and I could talk about my friend Rod Rosenstein for uh, for hours, I suspect. But 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 look like the the argument that. Uh, that that Francisco made is literally a, a dictionary argument, right? That they say, look at Black's Law Dictionary says judicial proceeding means proceeding before a court. Uh, the House of Representatives is not a court, ipso facto. It's not a judicial proceeding. Oh, oh, impeachment is not a judicial proceeding. Okay, it it, uh, it, it never minding the fact, right? That like you know. Trump's own lawyer, Ken Starr, went out onto the well of the Senate and said, we are no longer before the Senate. We are in a court. Right. Like it, it's uh, there. There's a whole reason that, like, you know, yeah, during well, the Clinton impeachment, well, like Rehnquist wore those little shiny gold admiral's bars on his uniform. Like it, it everybody treats it like a court. And I yeah, know if this isn't a court. Then why was John Roberts there? Like, was he just, you know, exactly right. just chilling? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that is the only argument that they make in their entire petition <laughs> before the Supreme Court For the uh, is this kind of is. Yeah. Is this dictionary? No, no, I, I should say it's the argument on the merits of the case. Right. So ordinarily, when you seek 
uh, injunctive relief from a court, which includes a stay, yeah. right? What what the court wants to know really uh, are, and there there's a four part test, but oh, okay. So this was this was in their request for or their their motion regarding the stay. This is the application for the stay, right? Got it. Okay. Um, they have okay. not yet filed the cert petition. They they will on June one. Got it. Um, but but what you need to show a court, right, is. Um, you've got to show them two things, right? And and again, you there's there are other factors, but the real the real questions that non-lawyers are are going to want to look at are number one, you want to show irreparable harm, right? That there must be you need injunctive relief to preserve the status quo because otherwise, right, there's no turning back, right? And that's what I alluded to sort of at the start of this interview, like I it. They, they do they do have that right and that's really their best argument and i don't know why they're not making it well they 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 make it but the problem is is that you you have to show the other half of the argument too which is some reasonable likelihood of success on the merits of your argument right like, <laughs> you can yeah. say it would be really really bad if we lose and so therefore we need injunctive relief and the court's going to be like right but but if it's super duper likely that you're going to lose, we're not going to step in here. And and this is why, right, uh, we were talking about this b- before the record, but like, I think a lot of people sort of look at the past three years and say, gosh, it, sh- it sure seems like the Supreme Court is staying an awful lot of uh, lower court mandates. And this is not a thing that usually happens. Right. Um, and and that's right. And the reason is because the burden of uh, of of proving that both of those things happen is really, really high. Right. And, uh, you know, look, like I think it's clear that the Supreme Court sort of puts its thumb on the scale for the president. Uh, one could hypothesize that. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't be so so likely to put their thumb on the scale for a Democratic president. I think that goes without saying, particularly if you read like you know, the Clinton v. Jones decision and then compare that against, you know, the Supreme Court's newfound love of uh, not harassing the executive. I think Clinton v. Jones was, was correctly decided, by the yeah. way, right? Like that was the, the, the case that said that. Bill Clinton had to sit for uh, a deposition in a civil lawsuit brought by Paula Jones that was unrelated to his conduct in office. Yeah, right. And you know, you're you're not so you're not so busy that you can't that you can't do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I appreciate you clarifying all this for us because I'm I I know that I'm going to get a million tweets. Oh my God, the Supreme Court is bought and paid for. We're all going to die. Uh, and uh, they, everyone just sort of over seems to overreact to these kind of kinds of things that are just administrative ways to allow more time for people to file their appeal on the merits. Yeah, it it again, it's it's a half step in the wrong direction. I've gotten those those tweets and emails already. Like once this started coming out, um, but but. Uh, but I would say this, right? Like if, if you are looking for optimistic reasons, if the Supreme Court just wanted without a doubt to place all of these materials beyond the purview of the American public until after the election, which is now effectively what they've done with Trump's tax returns, thanks to the Mazars cases, um, that they they could have granted the stay uh, just 
granting the stay and leaving the government on the same 150-day uh, time schedule for filing a cert petition. Yeah, but instead they, they gave him a 12 days. So yeah, instead of 150 days, they gave him 12. So, yep. you know, that's an order of magnitude better. Yes, it is. So there's bad news and good news here, uh, as with all Supreme Court uh, <laughs> stories that we cover. Thank you uh, so much, everybody. Um, please check out the Opening Arguments podcast. It's really, really great. Uh, Andrew Torres, I appreciate you talking to me today. AG, thank you so much for me on. And can, can we plug you coming on my show? Oh, yes, that's right. When is the when is that? That is going to be uh, we are we're going to record that interview and then uh, that that's going to air uh, Tuesday, May 26th. So next Tuesday. Excellent. Six days from today, five days from today, depending on when you hear this. I look and forward we're very to excited it. About it. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Everybody, please stick around. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. If you're looking to reduce unnecessary trips out, which I am definitely right now, and you're trying to avoid sold-out grocery stores during these quarantine days, I recommend trying Sunbasket. It is amazing. It's perfect. It's a tasty solution for the times that we're living in. It's just absolutely been a lifesaver for me. They deliver healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, which really helps me out because I'm paleo. But they also have gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient with everything pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook, which is great because I'm a terrible cook, but these are delicious meals. They're easy for me. They're prepped, ready to go, and you can get it and you can make it in as little as 15 minutes. And that's no matter how much experience you have. Uh, and each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from. Uh, they have black bean tostadas, which are delicious. Roasted salmon is one of my favorites. I, I eat that a lot. Uh, and, and you can order from any recipes across their menu. You can skip a week if you need to. You can double up on your favorite recipes when you want to. It's simple and easy. There's no gotchas. Everything's very transparent. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest level uh, of food and employee safety. They're reinforcing strict adherence to their existing standard operating procedures and increasing sanitization frequency in their distribution centers in order to protect you and your family and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and promo code dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, joining me today to discuss uh, the motion filed by Flynn's attorneys to boot Sullivan off the case is a host of the On Topic podcast and former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti. Renato, welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to be back. It's good to speak to you again. It's it's been a it's been a few days this time. <laughs> so tell us about this mandamus, this uh, Sidney Powell. Uh, roller coaster ride of of a of a petition. Yeah. So uh, Sidney Powell, who's the sort of MAGA lawyer for uh, Michael Flynn, filed this petition for a writ of mandamus to the Court of Appeals, the Federal Court of Appeals, the D.C. Circuit, uh, and she's essentially asking for three things. First, she asks for the the D.C. Circuit, the Court of Appeals, to essentially just force the judge to grant the DOJ's motion to dismiss the charges, okay, without any hearing or considering the issue. Second of all, she wants to force the judge not to have uh, the benefit of amicus briefs, 
uh, hearing amicus briefs from other interested uh, uh, parties. And third, uh, she wants the judge removed. And you kind of focus on the first one uh, or the third one. And there's a good reason why. I mean, that's a really harsh uh, outside the box remedy. It's something courts rarely apply. It's also something that people generally don't do. You know, it is a real um, it is a real uh, uh, risky strategy to call the judge in your case uh, biased, uh, uh, you know, com- you know, uh, you know, com- not capable of rendering, you know, impartial justice. When you do that, you know, if the if the court denies your motion, which it usually is going to do, you've really pissed off your judge. And <laughs> right. And there's also you have to be very careful of how you word it. Because, you know, judge, there's actually ethical rules um, that say that you should you cannot, you know, you know, say things that you either know are false or, you know, have a reckless reason to believe you, know, you have a reckless disregard uh, for the truth regarding a judge. So, you know, if judges are unhappy with what you say, they may make a referral to the state bar. So for all those reasons, people usually don't make uh, a, a motion to get the judge off their case. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, let me do a little devil's advocate work here because I I keep thinking, uh, and I haven't read her mandamus. Uh, I, I kind of don't want to, she's, she's insane, but <laughs> I'm, I'm w- wondering if they have any kind of a case at all because of Sullivan asking, uh, Mueller's prosecutors if they looked at treason, um, you know, and and they had several sidebars and, uh, you know, off the record. I'm just wondering if that's a, a viable argument in this case, because I I personally have never seen a, one of these um, requests to get a judge off a case successful. So I, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. So um, you, you're not you may not you you are, will not be surprised to learn that that conversation does uh, find its way into her petition. Uh, so, yes, uh, she did bring up that comment about treason. Uh, and I, I, the long and short of it is um, I don't think she's going to be successful in, in getting a new judge in this case. And you, what I think you would have to show is that the judge is doing something that makes it clear that he has a you know he has your or she has in another case a, a female judge has got such a, a a preconceived notion about the case they've acted so improper that it's clear that they can't possibly be impartial uh, you know real as a practical matter that's not the case here um, I have seen judges do far worse in terms of bias uh, you know make comments that are that, that tip their hand. Uh, far more than that and do kind of egregious conduct, not get taken off cases. And I would just say, frankly, I don't think that Judge Sullivan's comments, I mean, I do think that comment was ill-advised, uh, but I think that ge- generally speaking, you know, he's kind of what I would say in, in, the, in the normal range of how judges act. So I, that doesn't seem to be problematic. Now, as to the amicus briefs, there, I mean, she does have, one leg she does have to stand on there is that, there is no established procedure in criminal cases to have amicus briefs filed, which are amicus briefs or amicus briefs. Those are 
where people who are interested in the case but are not parties, in other words, the parties here, of course, are the Justice Department and the defendant, who right now both are basically on the same side. Um, the, the, you know, so it's, it's, it's a procedure in which people, let's say like me or, or you, AG, could, could file an amicus brief saying, we're interested in this case, here's why, and here are our views on it, and you, judge, should consider our views. So, you know, they're right. She's right. There's no procedure for that in criminal cases like there is in civil cases. But what's the harm? I mean, the judge just wants to hear people's thoughts and views. I mean, is there the question is sort of what's the down? What's the actual downside here? And essentially, she's claiming, well, really, the court is taking itself out of its role um, as a judge, like a, uh, as a court listening to what the parties say and turning itself into like a legislature or a tribunal that just hears all sorts of uh, views from anybody. But, you know, we do that in civil cases and it's done before the Supreme Court all the time. You know, I, I just don't view that as something that uh, is going to generate, uh, a, a, you know, a lot of um, a lot of uh, of energy uh, from the Court of Appeals. And I would just say that the the standard for a writ of mandamus is incredibly high. So this is the sort of thing you usually only file when the judge is doing something that's just really wacky. And, um, you know, I, un, you know, unfortunately for her, I, I don't think she's going to meet that standard. And for most judge, for most lawyers, this would be a huge problem because your client would be upset. The judge would have a bad <laughs> ruling. Suddenly she would potentially be harsher towards your client. And then the next time you stand in front of the judge, the judge is, you've ruined your reputation with that judge forever. But in this case, Flynn's going to get pardoned. Sidney Powell's from Texas. I doubt she ever is going to appear in D.C. again. And so I think, you know, she cares more about how this is going to play on Fox News. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, this is an audience of one. Um, I She doesn't give a shit about appearing before the Supreme Court again. She's never going to. I'm, I'm frankly surprised she's here at all. Uh, and, and you're, and you're right. Uh, he, he's, he's going to get pardoned. Uh, I, I, that's not, I assume that's not what he wanted to happen, which is why this whole thing is playing out in court. Uh, but I mean, just what a weird fight, what a weird fight to take on. And, uh, and like you said, not just potentially upsetting the judge by, by, you know, shitting all over his ruling, uh, but, they filed directly to the appellate court, too. Don't you normally file this kind of thing with the court you're in? Well, that's right. Uh, and that's why I said a petition for a writ of mandamus is what you do when your judge has gone, gone off the reservation. And you're going to the Court of Appeals and saying, we need your help to, to step in. And the, the standard is incredibly high. It has to essentially be the, what the judge has done, the trial judge is so clearly erroneous that the you know the court of appeals you know it can you know needs to to clear that up but that's not the case here and in fact you know i think she had made a motion for example on one of these topics i think on the amicus topic and it hasn't even been ruled on yet uh regarding the mo you know certainly on the um, on the um uh, motion to dismiss uh you know she's she's asking the court of appeals to compel him to grant her motion, well, he hasn't even considered it yet. I mean, he, he hasn't he hasn't ruled either way. Um, and so, you know, if you're viewing this as a conventional legal strategy, it doesn't make any sense. 
Like, you know, you wouldn't want to risk, you wouldn't want to, you don't, you don't need to go to the court of appeals, which is going to pay and, and say your judge is unfair before you've actually gotten the result on the motion. Uh, especially since I actually think the judge is likely, has always been likely to grant the DOJ's motion. And so, um, because no one, there's no, it's not like there's somebody else, you know, any other prosecutor out there looking to prosecute. It's, you know, it would be weird to go forward without the prosecution on board. So, you know, I think, you know, it's like you said, it's for an audience of one. And I think the purpose here, you know, is to further a narrative because she's concerned that she's going to lose the motion. And it's really about generating headlines. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, she comes from Fox News. So I, I, I thought I was surprised when uh, when Flynn gave up his Covington Burling lawyers uh, in favor of Sidney Powell. I thought maybe I thought for sure it was going to be like DeGeneva and Tonzig, but nope, here we are <laughs> with Sidney Powell. Well, I will give him credit is that what he I guess you saw was that there was an opening to just subvert the entire process. In other words, from a conventional legal perspective, no one would fire a, a very fancy law firm like Covington and Burling. They got you this amazing deal in which you probably weren't going to serve any prison time at all yep. and risk it all uh, on, with some flyby, you know, some sort of unknown lawyer from Texas. But it turns out that that really uh, has worked out for him because in, in this bizarre world that we live in, you know, all that really matters is how this is going to play on Fox News, how, you know, whether it furthers Trump's narrative and whether it's going to get her a, a client a pardon. Yeah, and so we know Judge Sullivan has asked uh, Covington Burling to file an amicus brief with the court, but they have to, you know, what's that going to look like, do you think? You know, it's going to be very carefully written uh, because they have confidential information uh, that they have obtained from Flynn when he was their client that they have to be very careful not to disclose or uh, or say information based on that. They also, you know, they um, they have, you know, certain duties to a former client, even though he's not a current client. They certainly are not. They 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 obviously have to defend the work that they did on the case, but they can't they're not they're going to be they're certainly not going to, I think, want to appear like they are dumping on Flynn either. So I think they are going to say as little as possible other than to defend themselves and their own conduct. And I think that their filing is going to be very precise and factual, but very careful and limited in what it says. And that that's appropriate. And that's what you'd expect. You know, I have to deal with these situations when I have former clients or when there are thorny issues. Um, you know, I have my own, you know, we have my law firm. I'm a partner at a large law firm and we have, General counsel, I'm sure Covington and Perlene has the same thing. That then we work with them to make sure that anything that anything that we say, you know, regarding a, a matter with a former client is handled appropriately. Yeah, I mean, these guys are pros, uh, and this whole case has just gone so off the rails <laughs> since they left. So it's it's just it's going to be really telling to see what they put but you're right it's probably going to be very conservative it's not going to be very juicy at all uh all right well thank you very much for uh, answering my questions today and uh everybody uh check out the on topic 
podcast with Renato Mariotti. It's really, really a, an incredible podcast. Amazing guests. This week's episode is really, really good. Uh, and it's it's always amazing. Where can they find you, Renato? Uh, well, you can you can find the On Topic podcast anywhere you get podcasts, uh, whether it's Apple or Android. Uh, and you can find past episodes and check out our guests uh, on our website, ontopicpodcast.com, all one word. Uh, and then uh, you certainly can find me on Twitter at Renato, R-E-N-A-T-O underscore Mariotti. That's one R, two T's. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you sometimes see me uh, elsewhere, too, whether in Politico or on television. Yeah, or live on stage with us in Chicago back when uh, Jerry, the day Jerry Nadler <laughs> filed for the Mueller grand jury materials, <laughs> which got us today. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, everyone, check out Renato Mariotti on Topic Podcast. You will not be sorry. Uh, coming up next, we have uh, the Good News Block and Quarantine Confessions, so stick around. Hey, everybody. It's AG here for The Daily Beans. Um, being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your home network, right? You just fire up in incognito mode uh, and no one can see what you're doing. That's not entirely true. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. Uh, even if you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider still has all that stuff. Just ask Manafort. <laughs> but, you know, they can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes your internet service provider uh, they make it so they can't see the sites that you visit. That's incredible. Instead, your connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. And each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users, which means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you. Uh, ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer. Uh, or your tablet, or your smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Just tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge, countless, countless more. So protect your online activity today with a VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com dailybeans, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That is... 25% savings. That's huge. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash daily beans. Expressvpn.com slash daily beans to learn more. All right. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And joining me today for the Good News Block is your friend and my friend, Amanda Reeder. Amanda, how are you? I'm I'm doing well today, AG. Doing well. Good. Good. Any news? Uh, personal news. I did more power cleaning of my house today. And before the pandemic, I was actually not a tidy person. So this is a new hobby of mine. Satisfying. <laughs> oh, nice. And yeah. how's the uh, schnoodle? Oh, the schnoodle is good. The, the schnoodle is good. The schnoodle is extra cuddly right now, which is nice. Um, and uh, the wifey is also good. In fact, this morning, the wifey uh, had a visitor, one of our uh, fans or patrons um, uh, from our Animal Crossing Discord, visited Joelle's Island and brought her some furniture. So that was fun. That was really nice. Uh, Kai, I believe, is the listener's name. So shout out to Kai. It was nice hanging out with you this morning. Yeah, I've I've spoken to Kai a few times. Very very prominent on the uh, on the Animal Crossing Daily Beans Discord mm -hmm. page. So mm -hmm. very fun. And we have big news. Jordan will soon be participating in the Animal Crossing Discord. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. I told Jordan uh, for her birthday I was going to give her Animal Crossing. And so <laughs> I'm like, you have to you have to play this game. You have to. Exactly. Correct. You can't you can't not. So <laughs> she'll be she'll be joining us and I'm excited about that. And uh happy belated birthday. Shall we uh jump into the good news? Yeah, we have a lot uh from our listeners, so let's hear them. All right. So the first one here is from Kat. And Kat says, Hi, AG Jordan and Amanda, longtime listener and hopefully a patron again soon. Well, that's sweet. Um, I got some exciting if bittersweet news yesterday that I had been nominated as best massage therapist in a local reader's poll given in my area. Ironically, yesterday was also the day our governor said salons, spas, gyms, etc. can reopen. Um, I miss what I do, but I'm not going back yet. I'd love to think it will be possible this summer, but I'm skeptical. I'm terrified of making that one mistake and accidentally infecting my spouse. She lives with MS and began a new treatment last year that has left her immunocompromised. And though we're seeing improvements in her condition, she still needs some help, and I also am the one who takes care of our pets. I spent much of the month of March mourning the career that was my second chance. I went back to school in my mid-40s and was overjoyed that a robot could never replace uh, this new career. But the pandemic is no time for a massage, and I fear for my colleagues who have had to go back to the spa where I worked part-time. However, there is good news. Today, I passed the COVID-19 tracking course offered through John Hopkins and Coursera. That's amazing. That's You're the second one of our listeners who's done this. Um, I haven't been hired by anyone yet, but... Please send all the good vibes that I can get a job through one of the temp agencies here. I fully expected to continue practicing massage therapy until I physically couldn't do it anymore. So I hope this is just a brief pause in the grand scheme of things. My massage teacher and mentor often said, we are not healers, we are facilitators of healing. Those words are a mantra to me and I took them to heart with every client I treated. But to currently facilitate healing in our nation, I feel the call to this service now. Fingers crossed that I can safely work from home, from home and play an active role in fighting this pandemic. Thank you so much, AG, for the laughs, but also for the inspiration and a whole new appreciation for public service. Wow. Yeah. That was a really beautiful email. Thank you, Kat. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And and you're a facilitator of healing doing contact tracing as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. And Mandy, that you, you're right. That's our second listener to do that course at Coursera Yeah, through Johns Hopkins. That's amazing. Y'all are amazing. Really amazing. I, I love that. Thank you so much, Kat. Um, all right. This is from Redheaded Sista. She says, my good news is that a week ago, I got a call out of the blue from my dad. Usually it's my mom who calls. My dad tends to text. He sounded really emotional. He told me that in 1970, when he was leaving the U.S. for Germany with the army, he and his then-girlfriend broke up. It turns out she had a baby and gave it up for adoption. When a family member of ours noticed a new connection pop up on 23andMe, we discovered that I have an older half-sister. We have now connected, and I found that I also have a niece and nephew I didn't know about. I was previously the only girl with three younger brothers— And I'm now in my 40s, and this has blown my mind. Our new sibling and her family are wonderful people, and despite living in Texas, are not Trumpers. Hell yeah. So this is my good news. I got a new big sister during the shutdown. Wow. (laughs) That is amazing. It is. It's it is amazing. It's I mean, the good news and the confessions today have just like blown me away. I know. I'm I'm sitting here just like speechless. Like my jaw is on the floor listening to these stories i'm like wow today (laughs) it's really good wow uh she then finishes and says thanks for the show i've been a patron since the early days and i really appreciate all that you do 
Thank you for sharing. Congratulations on your new sister. Email us a picture. Well, I guess you haven't met her yet, but when you do eventually meet her, send us a selfie from your first time meeting. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, this one is from Thomas from Ireland. Uh, Thomas says, uh, good news. Today, uh, yesterday, by the time you read this, my parents could finally visit my handicapped sister for the first time in almost three months. The restrictions have eased a little bit here in the Netherlands, and even though the building she lives in stays under quarantine because of all the very vulnerable people living there, they now allow residents to have visitors in a special tent with appropriate distancing in place. Um, as my sister has had to celebrate her birthday without my parents for the first time in her whole life, this was a very welcome break for them. Uh, then he says, thank you for all that you do every morning. I look forward to hearing a new episode. Also, I want to especially thank Jordan for inviting me to a performance of hers when I was supposed to visit San Diego in January. You may not remember this, but I really appreciated that a lot. Unfortunately, I got sick on my first visit to California and I never made it to San Diego. (laughs) Hopefully I can return to California in the future and make up for what I missed this year. At least I got to build my own lightsaber. Ooh, I bet. Was that a Disney? That must've been a Disney. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a Disney thing. Yeah. Um, All right. This is the last bit of good news, just a short one, and then we'll move on to quarantine confessions. Uh, This is from Sarah. Sarah says, the UC system is the first in the country to divest from fossil fuels. Go California. Rad. That is great. Sweet. Yeah. So the entire University of California system is going to divest from fossil fuels, and uh, they've linked to an LA Times article about it. Awesome. Yeah. All righty. Let's move on to quarantine confessions. Okay, let's kick this off with a confession from Anonymous. They say, I grocery shop weekly for us. I also shop for my dad, my godparents, my best friend's parents, and another older family friend who is living by herself. They are all well over the age of 70 and should not go out unless they have to. When I was doing my most recent shop, I texted the single lady for her list, and she said, vodka, limes, and the biggest box of Cheez-Its you can find. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I asked if there was anything else she needed. She said, nope. Rock on, lady. Yeah, no, there's nothing else in your life that you need other than vodka, (laughs) limes, and a giant box of Cheez-Its. Like, you're covered. (laughs) Uh, That's a good episode title, Vodka, Limes, and the Biggest Box of Cheez-Its. It's pretty long, but yeah, maybe we can make it work. We can make it work. Uh, it is pretty long. Um, okay, this next one is from Deep State Listener. That's the name they gave. And they say, confession, as a Fed, I am very conscientious about what I post on social media. I also have a large number of friends and colleagues who are Trumpsters. Anywho, I was watching the Occupy Democrats video about Fox News breaking into Trump's press briefing about his malaria drug use issuing an immediate warning not to listen to Trump's advice. Hours later, I realized I had actually shared the video during working hours, a Hatch Act violation. Normally, I would remove the post, but fuck it, I'm leaving that shit up. (laughs) Nice. I feel you. Oh, sorry. That's Pod Dog, everyone. (laughs) Hey, Pod Dog. Come here, Momo. It's a choice between do I have him in the office slash studio area with me where he stays more quiet or do I have him on the other side of the door where he'll bark and whine for me until I let him in. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, inside sounds better. Hi, Marley. 
<laughs> Marley says, hello, please give me attention. Um, <laughs> I schnoodle, you know, schnoodle. <laughs> well, the, next, uh, the next confession is from anonymous co-conspirator. And one thing I'm loving is that confessions are responding to other confessions now. We're like prompting new people to submit based on what other people have said. Um, so from anonymous co-conspirator, they say, for uh, anonymous secret door dash ring diversion person, here's an idea. Plant some flowers by the front door. Every day when DoorDash arrives, take your large bag of gardening supplies outside to water the flowers, taking care to spray the ring camera to obscure it momentarily. Retrieve food, place in bag with gardening equipment, and enter. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you for the, thank you for the for the tips. <laughs> Jordan and I were trying to figure that out yesterday. Like, how can she do it? How can we make this happen? <laughs> so I'm glad that somebody wrote in with that. That's good. That's so funny. Um, the next one might be my most favorite confession of all time. And this is this one is for you, A.G. Um, from Anonymous. I must admit with some trepidation and not to make any of you uncomfortable, but I become, shall we say, physically aroused whenever A.G. says Renato Mariotti. <laughs> it's nothing else she or anyone else in the podcast says or does. And I'm not obsessing or objectifying here. It's just whenever I hear AG say Renato Mariotti, I get that feeling. <laughs> I enjoy all the news reports, insights, commentary, interviews, the humor and the giggling, and of course the swears. And I really am a serious listener and a Patreon supporter. I swear. I just have to admit, it's something about the way AG says Renato Mariotti that just gets my motor running. I know she's probably <laughs> saying it just the way he told her to, sure. But whenever I hear AG say it, well, I should probably stop here. <laughs> That's amazing. And we have Renato on the show today. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> do you, how, how exactly do you say it? Renato Mariotti? Mm, yeah, I can understand. Uh, I, pro- I pronounce it the way that um, when, when, you know, he came to our live show, he was with us in Chicago on July 27th. Uh, by the way, that's the day that um, the House Judiciary Committee filed for the Mueller grand jury materials, uh, which was granted a stay today. Um, but yeah, he he came to Chicago, and I asked him when he came to our live show, you know, just to make sure how do we how do we say your name? Or I might have asked him before when he appeared on our show on Mueller. She wrote for an interview, but yeah, Renato Mariotti. So, <laughs> well, you have a super fan. <laughs> um, awesome, so funny. I'm telling you. Making it able to be fully anonymous when you submit your confessions has been the best move because they're getting better and better. With no email address and no Twitter account connected to people's confessions, they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go for it. And I appreciate your bravery. Um, okay. This is uh, yeah. the last one we'll do here uh, in the Sweet. confessions. Uh, if, unless we have time to do one more, but we'll, we'll, we'll do this one first. Um, okay. From Anonymous, I utilize multiple screens at work, two larger monitors, and a laptop. I have meetings from my laptop because of the camera, and if I need to look up information, I can pop over to my monitors with ease. While I and eight of my colleagues were waiting for our supervisor to join our Zoom call, I finished up an email and thought I would grab some hand lotion while the others started their agenda items. Realizing my lotion was behind my laptop, I stood up slightly and reached over to grab it. It wasn't until I heard a male colleague say, okay, uncomfortably, and all conversation stopped that I realized my camera was not off, as it typically is, and I had just given all of my colleagues a close-up view of my cleavage, and they had all basically (laughs) e-motorboated me. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) 
So she put her titties in all of their faces. Uh, by the way, oh, this was nice. only my second meeting with my new team. <laughs> I was mortified oh. for a split second and then quickly recovered like the professional that I am. <laughs> I showed them all my tub of lotion and said, with all this hand washing, we cannot neglect our cuticles. I gave them a good story and something to roast me on later. I have no regrets. No. Yeah, definitely. That's that's great. That's amazing. I think showing your cleavage to your colleagues can be a bonding experience. You know, good for you. <laughs> it is. And, you know, it wasn't intentional. No. So, hey. <laughs> but funny, though. I bet you, I, I bet you, like, hundreds, if not thousands of our listeners have accidentally shown uh, people something they didn't want to show them on a Zoom call. At least you didn't yeah. flush the toilet on a Supreme Court call. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was great. <laughs> um, I think that's, I think that's our time. Yeah, it is. Thank you so much for for sharing your good news and your quarantine confessions. Please keep sending them in. Mandy, where do they send them? So you can find them in our pinned tweet at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. And you can also find it if you go to MullerSheWrote.com slash contact. You will see a link to the form in the top right-hand side of the page. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And it was great to, great to talk to you again. And we will speak soon, everyone. Uh, For now, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reader. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.